bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and this hour, my guest is Michael Rosbrook, who's the CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, thank you, Jordan. Let's just start off with a little bit of background on you and uh, how you got to where you are today. Well, I started out, I was in the corporate world for about 18 years, and I was always the chosen one whenever there was an audit uh, at one of the large companies I worked for, and I was very successful in getting penalties abated or getting concessions or compromises and taking the fight up uh, the next level of the ladder and, and, uh, and prevailing. Uh, and at one job, I saved my company about $12 million in taxes, uh, in one audit, and I got a slap on the back, and they said, "Good job, Mike. That's what we pay you to do in the first place." And uh, I figured, "Wow, you know, who's helping individuals when they wake up in the morning? They don't say, I have to go see my tax resolutionist if they have tax problems. They usually go to their tax preparer or CPA. Who, if you're not, uh, if you don't do this day in and day out for a living, you're really going to muck it up. Or they go to a tax attorney who'll take anything that walks through the through the door." Um, and the niche was huge. I studied the market, and it's just a very self-rewarding way to help people get their financial lives back. We deal with a small sliver of the uh, Internal Revenue Code, which is the collection area, and we negotiate deals and settlements on behalf of our clients who owe but simply can't afford to pay them off in full. How long have you been in business? Uh, Ten years now. And are there a lot of other companies doing the same kind of thing? There's a lot of companies uh, doing the same kind of thing. Actually, this industry didn't exist until before 1997, and all of a sudden, uh, after the Senate televised finance hearings in the fall of 97, when everyone got up in front of the TV and said how bad the IRS was, mm-hmm. a lot of these companies started to uh, spring up because for the first time ever, Congress put some handcuffs and, and, and gave the general public some very important rights that they never had as taxpayers before. And those rights are obviously still intact, and that's why uh, companies like mine have sprung up. But also a lot of companies like mine have also uh, gone out of business uh, because they don't have the correct business model in place. Mm -hmm. I mean, the general impression that the average person would have of the IRS is they're very inflexible, they tell you what to do, and you have to do it. There's just really almost no negotiation possible here. Can you tell us about that perception? Why that may not be correct today? Well, it, it, it is correct. If the layman goes and calls the IRS, if you have a problem and it's over a ten thousand dollar problem, and you're trying to do this on yourself, you're trying to do this by yourself. Number one, you're dealing with the most brutal collection agency on the planet. Number two. Half the information you're going to get over the phone is incorrect. And since you are a layman, you don't know the law, you don't know the rules, what are you going to say? No, that's not right. Uh, you're just going to roll over like uh, you know, and be steamrolled. So uh, in a lot of cases, that is, that is not only the perception, but it's actually, especially now, it's the truth. The IRS has gotten very, very aggressive, very aggressive. In the last six to nine months, I've seen things I haven't seen in ten years. My, my impression was it was supposed to go the other way. As you said, there was a 1998 bill making the IRS the nicer, friendlier agency that was very taxpayer-oriented. You're saying that's not, in fact, what's happened 10 years later? Correct, because what, what, 
what followed after that was with the IRS basically sat on their laurels. Remember, at that point, there was no Afghanistan war. There was no Iraq war. There wasn't Katrina or Rita and the other natural disaster. Uh, so since then, and also we've, we've had a Republican in, in office, there's been no new taxes raised, and we've, we're paying for a, a two wars, a bunch of natural disasters, and there's no revenue, no new revenue raised to pay for that. So they are going after the back taxes and the delinquents. Remember, in 1998, when the IRS was sitting on their laurels, a lot of people stopped filing. A lot of people stopped filing because they weren't going after people. They were taking their chances. Hey, look, you know, the, the audit rate's down to less than 1%. They're not taking homes. They're not taking cars. They're not taking bank accounts. Boogie with it. I'm not going to file. So people didn't have much fear of them at that point. Correct. Uh-huh. And so now the, the fear has come back, then, huh? Yeah, Wesley Snipes. Uh, there's a lot of uh, deterrence now. I mean, they're, they're going after people who owe 10, 12 grand and, and, and filing criminal investigation charges. There's a lot of aggressive collection action. Do they have the staff to do this? Uh, no. They, they have about 105,000 employees. They just got funded by Congress to hire another 5,000. Uh, they don't have the staff to do it, but by do going after famous people, it uh, is used as a deterrent, and that's what they hope to gain. So these are really kind of showcases when they go after Wesley Snipes or uh, Willie Nelson or kind of famous people. Is that right? Right, but they, they're starting to go after... Uh, you know, uh, Chris Jones, who lives in suburb suburbia, has four kids and a home, and is a sales guy, is an independent contractor, and hasn't reported all his income. They're they're doing that too. Is the problem uh, as large as the IRS says as far as uncollected taxes? I mean, they talk about I don't know. I've heard numbers of three hundred billion or more of kind of the underground economy. What is your sense, having worked in this area, of, of what actually is unreported and is uncollected. I actually think it's more than that. The $345 billion is what they consider the tax gap, uh, which means uh, people who should be filing and reporting income who aren't. I mean, especially here in Southern California, I think about all the um, electricians, roofers, plumbers, uh, driveway guys, pavers, cement guys, stucco guys. If you open the phone book, these are guys that are, you know, so props who go down to the corner uh, off uh, Home Depot and, and get some illegal immigrant workers to come help them, and they do all this residential work and never get a 1099 from, from, a, you know, from an individual. Uh, all of that, that, and that entire new building industry, other than you know, the, the major folks, if you're talking about residential, you know, I'm going to add on a room or do a repipe plumbing or this, that, and the other, it's a huge underground economy. So is the IRS going after those kind of people, too? They're trying. But not too successfully, it sounds like. Right, not as successfully as they would like to, but they are trying. So let's get into this a little bit. In tax resolution services, what you're basically offering is if people have back taxes or disputes with the IRS, you can step in. And what are the realistic expectations? Can you settle for... Five cents a dollar, ten cents a dollar. What, sure. what well, kind the, of, uh, the first thing we do, my average client has four to 11 years of unfiled returns. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we remind them that it is a misdemeanor not to file a return in this country, and it's potentially a felony. So the first thing we have to do is get them all filed and keep the case from crossing over to the criminal area. All our cases, uh, knock wood, thank God I could tell you, uh, have been kept on the civil arena once we're retained by a taxpayer. So how do you do that? If somebody hasn't filed for seven years or something, how do you keep that from being criminal? Well, we go to the IRS and we tell them, we give them a game plan. 
and we actually do their work for them and put it on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we essentially say this is, you know, we represent Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, all future correspondence, communication will come through our office. We're going to have these four years of returns filed by X date. Once we know, once we determine what the liability is, these taxpayers qualify for, let's say, an offer and compromise, and then we're going to submit an offer and compromise. So we basically give them the resolution of the account uh, the first time we make contact with them. So the IRS is happy to see you coming, or they, or they say, oh, boy, here he comes again, we're going to have to settle for pennies on the dollar? It's, I call it grudge respect. <laughs> uh, they know that uh, here we come again, they're going to make us work and hold our feet to the fire and actually do the right things that the law says, but we also know that Rosbrook's firm is good, on, good to his word, and he's going to get us the stuff we need to close the case. So they would rather get this resolved at uh, cents off the dollar than have this hang on and basically get nothing from the people. Right, and that whole program is based on the fact that, you know, there's a 10-year collection statute uh, of limitation to collect on the debt. So if if they're going after a deadbeat for 10 years, how much is it going to cost them administratively, internally, to go after this guy and get basically bupkis or nothing versus uh, getting a lump sum payment today uh, so they weigh the cost economic benefit, and if they determine it's better to take something from him today than getting the same amount of money over 10 years, and they'll be in the negative because it costs them so much money to collect. Uh-huh. What are people, let me get back to my other question, what, what kind of expectations should people have? Somebody's 4 to 11 years behind, even hasn't filed at all, it's, it's in the civil, not the criminal side. What, what kind of deals can you typically work out with the IRS? If the, if the person uh, qualifies, and I can get into that uh, in, in a minute or later, mm-hmm. our average settlement's about $0.13 cents on the dollar. Wow. And, and we what is the a, range? Yeah, it's, it's a great, uh, it's an 87% discount off the tax bill, uh, and we're fi- our success rate's about five times higher than the national average. In other words, the national average, let's say, is the same $0.13 cents. But if someone does it on their own, they're going to get rejected or returned. If they have us help them with it, they have a, uh, an eighty percent chance of uh, success. What's so complicated? There's just some form that they fill out for the offer and compromise and submit it. What's so complicated about the average person doing it? You're right, and I tell people right up front: don't don't pay me to fill out forms because anyone can fill out forms. What you're paying me for is to strategize with you in order to ensure as much success at the end of the tunnel, in other words, before going in or submitting an offering compromise, people need to get their financial houses in order. Uh, they may have to debt up. You need debt to settle with the IRS. They may, you see, in my world, bad is good, good is bad. Somebody may come into my office and have a fully paid-off uh, car that's seven years old, and they think that's great, and I say that's the worst thing in the world you could have when you're trying to negotiate with the IRS. Because it's an asset they can seize, is that the idea? Yeah, it has equity. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is either encumber that asset, or what we tell people, would you rather drive a new car or pay the IRS? It's not a hard decision to make. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's that. Is self-employed, how many people do you know who file Schedule Cs who don't have disability insurance and have families? Um, so before you've even approached the IRS, you have a whole strategy. In oh, mind. yeah, that, that's what pe- we do financial planning in reverse, mm-hmm. and that's what people pay us for. Hmm. And, and tell me about your fees. How does, how does your fee schedule work? We work on a flat fee basis. Uh, essentially, let's say someone 
had uh, four or five returns that needed to be filed. Um, we're doing an offer and compromise. We're representing them through the appellate division because most offers, 65% of my cases, go to appeal anyway. Uh, that's levy protection. I mean, you're probably looking at five to six to seven thousand dollars. But you know what? It's going to be up front. Uh, it doesn't have to be all up front. We usually get a uh, thirty to forty to fifty percent as a retainer, and then we carry the folks for about three to four months. I see. Okay, before we go to break, tell people about your website and phone number they can find out more about tax resolution sure. services. Uh, the website is www.taxresolution, that's one word, singular, taxresolution.com. We give a free consultation at one eight six six irs problems That's one eight six six four seven seven seventy seven sixty two. 477 7762 Very good. Well, I'm speaking to uh, Michael Rosberg, uh, who is the CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. Uh, you probably didn't know that the IRS settles for 13 cents on the dollar, but you're finding out about that here. We're going to go into this in much more detail uh, after the break and talk to you about how you can handle problems you have with the IRS. We'll be back after this. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker, The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Michael Rosberg, who's the CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Hi, Jordan. Let's talk a little bit about offer in compromise. This is something that uh, the IRS uh, does not like to advertise or tell people about very much at all, but it's a program that does allow you to settle things um, at, at pennies on the dollar. Explain Absolutely. how offers in compromise works. Well, it's probably the closest thing to amnesty that the government offers in, in terms of taxes. Um, it's a formulaic-driven process, and they, they look at essentially two areas. They look at uh, the assets that you own, the net equity in your assets, so uh, real property, uh, real estate, uh, stocks or bonds, money market accounts, CDs, bank accounts, uh, vehicles. They look at uh, if you have art collections or gun collections or uh, coin collections, uh, even auto collections, anything like that, to determine what net equity you have in your assets. And then they add that to what they call the reasonable collection potential, which is your household income of, from all sources, uh, less allowable necessary living expenses. And I'm throwing out a lot of buzzwords, but they have some very specific meaning. In other words, they're not going to allow someone, let's say, who has no equity in the house but is making a $7,000 a mortgage, uh, $7,000 a month mortgage payment. Uh, to elect into this program, that's not going to happen. Because that's seven thousand is not considered a necessary expense. They're, they're living, living too high. Is that right? Correct. Correct. The IRS has opinions on how you should be living, right? Yes. Yes. Although New York, in the state of New York, in the five boroughs, is some of the uh, highest uh, allowances in the country. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. So they want you to be living pretty much at basic level. Basic or below basic. <laughs> below basic. Okay. <laughs> All right, so so they've set your in expenses, but you, they should be, and they look at your income, they look at your assets, right? And then they this this goes through a computer somewhere, or how does well, this all work? Well, they have a computer. Here's here's the best scenario. Let, here, I'm going to give you an example of a uh, a person who's probably best suited for this program. It's a let's it's a couple, let's say with two children. Uh, household income is probably between sixty five to seventy five thousand dollars a year. Um, their rent or mortgage payment is between seventeen hundred and two thousand dollars, and at the end of the month, they have no money left over, uh, and they don't own. Uh, they could own their house, but it's mortgaged. Uh, in other words, maybe twenty percent equity in the house, which the IRS doesn't even look at because they figure if you're going to sell the house for quick sale, that twenty percent goes away. So someone like that, let's say, owes fifty grand. We could probably settle a case for five thousand dollars for them. In other words, fifty grand. The IRS would take five grand to wipe out forty-five. Now, what happens? As I understand, that forty-five is considered taxable income to you in the no, no. uh, Good point. It's not considered cancellation of debt yet when it comes to the IRS. If the uh, people owned, um, you're, you're right on. If it was real property or credit card debt, and they walked away, and there was debt forgiveness. That's a taxable event, except if you can prove you were insolvent or you filed a bankruptcy. But uh, with regard to offers and compromise, the IRS hasn't uh, connected those dots yet there. 
Oh, that's good, because that's a common myth I hear all the time. That yeah, that, well, there wouldn't be no sense to do an offering compromise then. <laughs> so they're just writing off that 45000 in that case. Correct. Now, how does this affect your credit record if you have, is that considered a, uh, a charge-off? No, I, actually, it's, it's great for the credit because more than likely the IRS probably has liens filed against you already uh, before you come to me, or they may even do it during the, during the process. But once the offer is accepted and paid, the lien gets released. So so do you find that that actually happens pretty quickly? It happens usually within 30 days of them receiving the final payment uh, of the offer amount. Is that part of what you do is make sure that that happens? Yes. Uh huh. We don't contact the, the, the credit agencies. That's the taxpayer's responsibility. We give them the addresses and everything. Uh, but we do get the IRS to issue what's called the uh, certificate of release. Uh huh. So, okay, so they get all this. They, it goes through the computers. And then is there a, a, an IRS agent somewhere who's like, Mr. Offer and Compromise, who specializes in these things that you deal with? Yeah, uh, the offers in the country go to two centralized locations. If you're west of the Mississippi, they go to Memphis. If you're east of the Mississippi, they go to Long Island. I think it's Holtzville, New York. And the people you're dealing with there are, uh, well, they're lucky if they have GED high school equivalency degrees. <laughs> okay, these are folks that uh, are the first line of defense who are trained to reject offers. Okay. Ah. Trained, for example. For you think it would actually be the opposite. This is quite a sophisticated process they have to go through. Oh, They'd yeah. really be very sophisticated people. Exactly. It's not until you get to appeal. Uh, what I was going to say for a second, in 2005, there were 75,000 offers submitted nationally. 14,000 got accepted. Wow. Nationally. Wow. So uh, a lot of people don't qualify is that because they didn't fill out the forms correctly or they didn't have the right strategy going in? Yes. Uh, I would say a majority of those folks probably try to do it themselves. Uh-huh. And so uh, what was your success rate again? We're up about 90. Wow. Yeah, we're five times higher because that's about 27%. We're about four and a half times higher than the national average with regard to because we're not going. We turn away a lot of business. We we're not going to take a case. We don't think we can get it uh, get it through. I see. Uh huh. So okay. So you're going to this kind of low level IRS person, right? So the, uh, the low level person's going to say uh, no. Fine. They give us a letter saying no, but that letter is our ticket to the appellate division. We do. Uh, you have 30 days in which to do an appeal, protest, requesting a hearing, uh, and that's what we do. And that appeal. We're actually dealing with human beings who have went to college and are either attorneys or CPAs themselves. They're very flexible, and their whole mission statement is to weigh hazards of litigation. In other words, it's the last stop before court, and uh, 90% of their resolutions are at a court. So, uh, so you go to Memphis? Is, or if no, no, no. Uh, they go to uh, usually in your backyard or... Uh, lately, we're seeing uh, appeal officers throughout the country taking these cases. I see. So most people would be intimidated if they lose the first level, they'd basically give up, is what you're saying. Right. And, and you're almost assuming there's appeal. What percentage do you have that actually get through the first level? Oh, uh, 40 per- 30 to 40%. So some of them do. Yes, yeah, some of them do. And the other six, you, you always appeal because you go into it knowing you, you uh, have a good case. As far yeah, as if we concerned. have a good case, we're appealing. Uh-huh, I see. Okay, so uh, once you've appealed, then 
what, what is the actual process? What is the form that you get, and, and how does it all work? you have to pay on the spot? Uh, no. Uh, once the, you have three, actually three options to fund or pay the offer. Um, and under the new law, actually, when you submit the offer today, you're supposed to send in a 20% non-refundable deposit. Uh, so let's say the offer. Let's say you owe a hundred grand. You're offering ten thousand. You have to send in a two thousand dollar check with the submission of the offer. And if the offer gets returned or rejected, uh, that's non-refundable. It goes toward the wow. tax. So of those seventy-five thousand, they, they took a lot of deposits that didn't return. Then, huh? Uh, correct. Uh, yes. Uh, although, to be honest, uh, Jordan, that was in two thousand five. And the law didn't go into effect for the 20% until the end of that year, so I'm really anxious to see what the 06 numbers look like. Uh-huh. I, I bet see. you there are a lot more uh, people, a lot less people who submitted in the first place. I see. So uh, has this program offered compromise been around a long time, or is it a relatively new one? It's been around since before the IRS even was implemented in 1913, but it just never, they never accepted one. They just never, it was on the books, it was there, but it was at the discretion of the revenue officer who you uh, were working with at the time. Uh, it was mostly, uh, it was always an adversarial relationship, and it wasn't until 98, it really wasn't until Clinton gave uh, the American public a lot of taxpayer rights that the offering compromise program came into its own. I see. I see. Okay. So that's the main program that you are doing uh, t to get people to be able to pay, uh, you know, cents on the dollar, basically, right. offering compromise. Right. Now, are there some other programs uh, that... that uh, well, yeah, even if it's not cents on a dollar, John, I mean, people, it, 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 they still have the problem. Even if they don't qualify for an offering compromise, they still have to take care of the problem. Mm -hmm. So there's other options available to them. Uh, you know, two-thirds of the people who come to us aren't going to qualify for an offering compromise. Because they don't have the right mix of equity and debt Correct. and so on. And also, they have to have the ability to pay, right? Correct. So what we do with them is, is uh, the, 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 one of the most popular things is what we call the installment agreement, where the IRS will allow um, over a five-year period, like, just like a car note, for them to pay it back in full with a smaller amount but over time. With some interest on that as well? Yeah, this interest and penalty is still accruing on that. Uh-huh, but it's also at a lower level than would be other... Is it still cents on the dollar, or is it at 100 No, no, full boat. Uh-huh. Full boat. There's no cents on the dollar with a, with a payment plan. Uh, the other cents on the dollar program, uh, I'm going to say, is uh, innocent spouse. Uh-huh. Innocent spouse is usually zero cents on the dollar. I mean, if you qualify for innocent spouse relief... You essentially can get out from under the debt for nothing if, if you if you qualify there. Is that a very tough uh, uh, test of, to to pass to show that you're an innocent spouse? There's three types of innocent spouse. The first type, which is the true innocent spouse, yes, because you're still married. In other words, when you had the uh, the event, the underpayment or the uh, or the understatement of tax. You were married and signed a joint return. Well, let's fast forward two or three years forward. You're still married to the same person. So how can you prove you didn't know what was going on? It's, it's very difficult if you're living in the same household with that person. It's, it's hard to say you didn't know what you were signing for year after year, you're saying. Yeah, yes. and benefiting. 
Okay, we're going to come back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, your, your host of the Money Answer Show, and my guest here is Michael Rosbrook, CEO and ta- founder of Tax Resolution Services, which is helping people battle the IRS and win in many cases. We'll be back after this. Line in business. Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. Grow profit. And grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker, The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, The Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, The Work Wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Michael Rosberg, who's the CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. Um, and welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you, Jordan. Before we get going, tell them again your uh, phone number and uh, website if they want to find out more about your company. Sure. The uh, the phone number, we give a free consultation. The number is 866-IRS-PROBLEMS or 866-477-7762 and on the web at taxresolution.com, taxresolution.com. We were talking about innocent spouses, and you're saying that there are three ways to test for innocent spouses. The first one is... The first one is true innocent spouse. The next one is what they call separation of liability. And the third one is called equitable relief. The first one, which is the the original or the true innocent spouse, is probably the hardest to obtain uh, because essentially you're, you're still married when you file for the innocent spouse relief. So 
there has so to be. How do you prove you're innocent? How, how do you prove that you really didn't know what was going on? Correct. Well, there has to be what's called an understatement of tax, not an underpayment. An understatement is usually uh, arises when there's an audit mm. or when someone actually cheated on the return. So uh, the spouse says she didn't know that that was what was going on. Right. She didn't know or didn't have reason to know. Uh-huh. Okay, but for example, uh, what if it was a husband who had a car dealership on the side, a partnership? She knew nothing about it, although the husband was a sanitation worker uh, during the day, but they lived in a $500,000 house in the suburbs, drove nice cars, kids went to private school. In other words, she should have known that the husband couldn't have been providing for her just based on his W-2 job. The money had to come from somewhere. Correct. <laughs> Have you actually won an innocent spouse case yourself? I've I've won every innocent spouse case I've ever represented. Hmm. Uh, I'm very, but that's because I'm very selective. <laughs> I turn down a lot of in, innocent spouse potential clients, but the ones that, you know, the ones that truly uh, need help. I'll give you an example of one where the woman, uh, actually, the husband and the woman owed nine hundred seventy-two thousand dollars. Guy was a doctor. Um, lived here in Simi Valley, which is uh, maybe 45 minutes or an hour north of Los Angeles. Uh, the wife didn't work. He opened up a bank account, and the wife's name, just for her, deposited money in there every week for her to buy groceries and take care of the kids. Meanwhile, he had another home uh, in the Hancock Park area of Los Angeles, which is a Shishi area. He had a mistress who drove a Mercedes. Uh, him and his wife drove four Tauruses. Uh, and then he dropped dead and didn't file returns. Uh, actually, filed returns and forced her, forged her uh, signature. Uh-huh. And she was stuck with nine hundred seventy-two thousand dollars worth of uh, taxes. So it helped to have a mistress, mistress in a secret house. In Correct. That case. Uh-huh. So I take, I take maybe you say I take the easy ones. I don't know, but I win them. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, go through the second and third uh, innocent spouse ones. Okay, the second and third ones now can either be an understatement, which is um, uh, an audit, or an underpayment, where you put the return under your wife's nose, it shows $40,000 owed, the husband says, don't worry, honey, I got the money in the bank account, I'm going to send the check in as soon as you sign the return, blah, 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 blah. Now, in that case, they're not married any longer. They signed the joint return, she thought he was going to pay the money, they are, now it's two years, three years later, they're both getting notices that they owe the same amount of money, but they're divorced or separated. That's a much easier threshold to prove that she didn't know about it, especially if she wasn't uh, part of the household at the time. Uh, in other words, he said he was going to pay it, but she was not privy to the, the joint bank statement anymore because she moved out of the house. So that gives her the right to say that uh, she was innocent in that case. Correct. So if you want some of those? Yes, want some of those. And then the, the last one, which is equitable relief, those are pretty nifty because the IRS actually allows you to f- refile the return informally, married filing separate, to see who really had the liability. Uh, it doesn't, in other words, you don't amend the return formally, but informally on a form you do a married filing separate for each of the um, spouses involved and see who owed the tax. Uh-huh. So that's something, a form that you would fill out for them? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So some of the factors weighing in favor of relief are, um, 
the, the requesting spouse would suffer economic hardship if the relief from the liability is not granted. Abuse. Sometimes the requesting spouse was abused uh, physically by the non-requesting spouse, but such a, abuse did not, uh, and sometimes did not amount to duress. Other times it does. Uh, the biggest hurdle, like I said, is knowledge or reason to know. Um, those are some of the... Um, okay, we got the idea. All right, so we, we've talked about innocent spouse. We've talked about offers and compromise. Another area is penalty abatement. Yes. Um, how can penalties... Because typically when you don't pay, it's not only penalties plus interest that keep piling up. How can you get penalties abated? Well, there's something called reasonable cause in the penalty handbook penalty abatement handbook in the Internal Revenue Code. And reasonable cause is basically if you can justify and prove uh, that there were circumstances beyond your control that you had no control over that actually forced you into a situation where you couldn't pay or couldn't file, they will relieve some of the penalties. However, uh, with non-filers, if they haven't filed in four or five years and you do a penalty abatement for each year, that's not going to hold water because you need a certain event. So what would be some examples of events outside of people's control that would work? Uh, um, I'll give you an example of a, a business trying to make a payroll tax deposit where the banks were open until 4 p.m. They were driving across town. There was a huge accident. Couldn't get to the bank in time. The uh, IRS assesses a 10% failure to deposit penalty and we were able to get that removed, you know, based on the police reports and the news and the newspaper articles. Uh -huh. uh, other ones are death or serious illness of a family member, uh, where you're actually, uh, you know, your whole life goes on hold and you're trying to take care of uh, a, a child, a, a grandparent, a parent, God forbid, uh, and you have to travel, and it interrupts your whole life, and you're not working half the time. The, the main test is if it prevents you from working and earning a living, living, then they will grant penalty relief. So you're giving us some real news here that the IRS has a heart. Is that right? We make them cry when it comes to penalty abatement. <laughs> we try to write a real good letter and then tie it in with some legalese and cite some court cases in the recent past. Uh -huh. so, so Yeah, we make them cry. <laughs> That's good. All right. Now, also, uh, if somebody does go into bankruptcy, are tax uh, penalties and interest wiped away in bankruptcy typically? They, they can be. They're certainly eligible if it's planned. It, it needs to be planned correctly. Uh, and if you're doing a strict tax bankruptcy, in other words, if you're doing nothing else, if you're including nothing else in the petition but taxes, the new Bankruptcy Act of 2005 more or less doesn't apply because taxes are not considered consumer debt like credit cards. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to pass a means test. You don't have to do a lot of what the 2005 uh, Act makes, uh, makes all you, you know, jump through all those hoops. Mm -hmm. I mean, my sense was the taxes are generally were not discharged during a bankruptcy. Oh, no, not at all. We, we do a lot of analysis for a lot of attorneys around town. There's three major rules. The return has to be three years old or older from the due date, including extensions. So right now, anything older than 2004, you could not discharge. Anything prior to 2004 is eligible. Now, the return physically has to have been filed 24 months prior to the petition. So you can't bankrupt taxes you haven't filed. Uh -huh. 
Okay, so non-filers, forget about it. Ah, I see. Okay, and then uh, you have to wait eight months or 240 days from date of assessment, and that's really be, that. That's because some people get audited after the return's been filed for two years, and they ha- they face an audit and they get audited. You have to wait another eight months from that additional assessment date in order to bankrupt the taxes. Just sounds like there's a lot of rules involved here. There's, yeah, there's a bunch of rules, but if you plan it right and know the know the law and the rules, you can you can. And we use it as leverage in offers and compromise. Mm-hmm. We get uh, letters from attorneys saying that these taxes are going to be eligible on such and such a date. Uh, if you don't take five thousand dollars for the offer, you're going to get nada. Uh huh. And, and the IRS sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> so it is up to the discretion of the revenue officer. It's not something that's there's rules. You know, you're going to win or you're not going to win in these cases. Correct, because it's all administrative. This is administrative uh, procedure. Does it, a revenue officer ever uh, have one decision then he's overruled by a higher up? He offers something and then it's taken away. Yeah, the managers have to approve. Uh, have to improve, uh, approve them. Yes, it happens a lot. Really? Yes. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. That's uh, why I would much rather deal with a seasoned person at the IRS because I know that what he says is going to be the is going to be you know the the final word. No, you might get the uh, okay from the first level, and right. then it gets overturned by their manager. Yeah, especially if it's a, if it's a green person or a new person, they they. they know what they're doing. Ah, let's see. Do you also help with audits as well? Uh, yeah, we do a lot of audit defense, a lot of audit representation. Has, has the audit rate been picking up lately? Yeah, absolutely it has. It's uh, increased quite... It, for Schedule C's, it's increased about four times from uh, two years ago. And individuals has increased, I'd say, one and a half times from a couple of years so, ago. So what is the audit rate now, roughly, for Schedule C's and individuals? For for individuals, it's about 0.8 percent, eight tenths of one percent, and for Schedule C's, it's about four and three quarters percent. Have they been finding a lot more uh, fraud and underpayment when they've increased the audits? Oh yeah, especially with Schedule C's, because most people, you know, commingle business and personal, and they don't report everything, and they dream up expenses they never have. Um, and I, I got to tell you, 50 percent of the referrals to the criminal investigation division cid come from these audits so it's been successful from the irs's point of view and therefore you think they're going to increase them more oh yeah absolutely so people have more to fear than they they might i mean point eight doesn't sound like much to fear frankly correct but um yeah they use it as a deterrent It, it it is not much to fear but there are certain red flags that you know that are going to pop out on the computer, like if you do your return by hand, you're probably ten times more prone to get an audit letter than if you do it, have it professionally done or do it through a computer program. Very good. All right, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Rosbrook, CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services, uh, that's telling you you can fight back and win against the IRS. Probably something you didn't know. We'll be back after this. Line in business. Voice America business. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve Total Wealth Management. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three-Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and hosts, Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. Winners know how to activate that switch, and so can you. The Winner's Attitude with Jeff and Val G. Broadcast each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Channel, the Winner's Attitude. Switch me on. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is uh, Michael Rosberg. Uh, who's the CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you, Jordan. Let's talk about business again a little bit and small business. Uh, what kind of trouble can small businesses get into with the IRS, and, and how can you help them? Well, small businesses are at, at, at most at risk, especially corporations, S-Corps, you know, one shareholder, S-Corps or small C-Corps, because the IRS is a very special creditor. creditor. They're probably the only creditor in the world who can pierce the corporate veil by going after the individual shareholder for payroll taxes uh... for the what's called the trust fund recovery penalty and people need to realize that uh... if you have a corporation and you employ people or even yourself and you do payroll tax returns if you go delinquent on those payroll taxes the irs can go after you personally and make your life a living hell so you need to pay those payroll taxes so if if somebody has not paid their payroll taxes how can you help them well what we do first is we usually it takes a long time for the IRS to assess or pierce the corporate veil. So if you get us into the picture when the corporation is still receiving notices, we could probably defend the person from getting the trust fund recovery penalty placed against them, and we work out a payment plan at the corporate level for the payroll taxes. Now, are there other taxes that corporations tend to pay that, again, can cause trouble with the IRS if you're behind on them? Uh, well, regular income, uh, income, corporate income taxes if you're a C-corp. 
uh, excise taxes if you're a trucking company. But the one that gets most businesses in trouble is the payroll taxes. And how about sales taxes? If people uh, try yes. to get around sales, can you help people with that one? Yes and no. Sometimes uh, a lot of folks are too far gone by the time they reach out for help. Owing sales taxes is probably the worst tax in the world you could owe because what they do here in California is is they put a keeper. Uh, it's someone that's appointed by the sheriff who stays at your cash register, especially in the retail business like a restaurant or a uh, cafe or any type of retail business. And that person, that keeper, is going to collect the money for that day's receipts right for the government, right for the sales taxes. Wow. And you have to pay for the keeper, by the way. It's 400 bucks a day. <laughs> so when that happens, you might as well padlock the front door. Is that, in fact, happens? That puts people out of business? Oh, yeah, all the time. So it, does, it doesn't really work for the government, then. Is they're gonna, government they're not gonna... doesn't care, Jordan. It's a bureaucracy. They don't think like you and me. They're not business people. Uh-huh. They would much rather just do the paperwork. It's much easier for them. To, it's less paperwork for the revenue agent to put the business out of business. I see. <laughs> it doesn't seem to collect a lot of revenue that way, but I guess it works for them. Yes. Okay. Um, you were talking a little bit about the, the trends you're seeing uh, today and the kind of people coming into you. What is the effect of the subprime mortgage meltdown and the credit crisis and all the things you're seeing yeah. and, and how that, that's affecting people getting behind in their taxes? Yeah, we're seeing a lot more, uh, especially agents, uh, real estate agents, calling us uh, because they weren't able to make their estimated tax payments uh, for 06, let's say. They had huge years in 05, 04, and 05, and then 06, things started to calm down, and in 07, they hit a brick wall, and they haven't made all their estimated uh, income tax payments, and now, you know, they're living the lifestyle as if they were still making five, $600,000, huge house payments, kids in private school. Uh, it's going to affect them quite heavily, and all the folks in the new uh, housing construction business businesses as well. There's no new home construction right now. So what? What do? How can you help somebody if they have not paid their estimated taxes? Well, the same thing. We we take a look to see whether or not uh, we do income averaging with regard to looking at an offer and compromise for someone like that, uh, or or they're looking at a long term uh, monthly payment plan. That's probably what they're looking at. And so they often, it, it, it's better to get that than have the penalties and interest piling up. Is what exactly. Plus, if you don't get help, they're going to levy the person's bank accounts, the wife's paycheck, his paycheck. So even if you may not be an offering compromise candidate, you still need representation. There's, the IRS doesn't care. They're still going to go after assets. What are some of the things the IRS can do to you if they see that you have assets and you're behind? Uh, what kind of garnishment of wages? Tell me some of the things that they can do to get your money. They can do. They can take every single source of income except um, child support or state disability insurance uh, payments. They can take alimony. They can take IRAs. They can take 401ks, any type of retirement accounts. They can garnish pensions, uh, Social Security up to 15%. Uh, like I said, they can take everything except state disability, insurance payments, and child support. And will they sell your, your assets, like if you have a car or house? Yes, or they boats? sell them at, uh, at, at auctions. But doesn't that make it impossible for people to pay these taxes if they're selling off their ability to get to work, for example? Yes, uh, although, again, uh, the IRS doesn't think uh, like a business. They, they just have these receivables on the books, and they either have to write them off or collect them. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
So, I mean, it sounds like the, the friendlier IRS we thought we had in 1998 is no longer. <laughs> yeah, the pendulum has swung 180 degrees the other way. And so your outlook here is that they're going to be increasing audits and increasing their aggressiveness as far as uh, collections. Is that Correct. Right? So, so for a taxpayer who's thinking of getting behind, who isn't behind yet, what, what kind of advice would you give to them? Well, I would say that they need to get help as soon as possible. In other words, before there's any aggressive collection action taken, and the IRS gives that person uh, four to five months in terms of notices and letters telling them what they're going to do. So every letter you get requires a response, and the sooner you jump on it, if you get a letter or a notice from the IRS, that's the time to, to jump on it. Do you find a lot of people go hard and, and don't respond to these things? Oh, yeah. I have people come into the office with stacks of unopened envelopes. <laughs> they, they figure that if they didn't open the envelope, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Uh -huh. The IRS doesn't see it that way, huh? Oh, no. No, was, all they have to do is notify you at your last known address, and you've been on notice. In other words, if you've moved around a lot, they don't care. I see. And you haven't filed, so the last known address may be something from 10 years ago. And that's legally, you've been served, even though you haven't lived there for 10 years. Correct. Incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> now, they're talking about changing the tax laws, certainly if the Democrats win next year. How do you see that affecting all of this? Are they going to put even more money into collections? Yeah, I don't... And let, Unless they do away with money changing hands, there'll always be a need for somebody to mediate or advocate on behalf of the public. I mean, even if they go to a flat tax, it's still money that's going to be exchanging hands, so there always will be a disagreement or an adversarial position to take. Uh, but so, so, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're just going to complicate the tax code. So if you, you had, like, Rudy Giuliani's plan of, of a, you know, Tax return on a postcard, that wouldn't put you out of business then? No, huh? not at all. <laughs> there, there have been talks about flat tax for a long time, and it never seems to get anywhere. I don't think so. There's too many congressmen and senators who, who own homes, so they would all lose the home mortgage interest. <laughs> all right. Well, in wrapping things up, just kind of give us an overall, and also do give your website and phone number again, just kind of a, a basics on what kind of rights people have and what they have to be doing when they're dealing with the IRS and they fall behind in their taxes? Okay, uh, this is important, and everyone has rights, and you, you have to realize that you can stop an IRS agent or revenue officer from holding a conversation with you at any time. All you have to tell them is, is that you're going to get representation and my representative is going to contact you. So in other words, you don't even have to have anyone retained in order to stop that conversation. Uh, and it's, it's a bill of right for every taxpayer. It's like a Miranda right. Uh, you have the right to representation at an audit. You don't have to go to an audit or summons uh, by yourself. You can get representation and have that representative handle that for you. Um, right, well, just give, give them your website and phone number before we close. Okay, website is www.taxresolution.com. That's taxresolution.com. And 866-IRS-PROBLEMS on the phone. 866-IRS-PROBLEMS. Well, thanks so much. It's really been fascinating. Uh, my guest has been Michael Rosberg, CEO and founder of Tax Resolution Services. You can fight back against the IRS, even if you never thought so. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you, George. And we'll be back again next week.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.